You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Anderson, episode 120. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners to get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six- and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. Now, this might be a little bit of a silly question, but are you a business owner? Are you a business owner who sends out a weekly newsletter because you feel like you have to or because that's what everyone is telling you to do? Or are you a business owner who doesn't send out an email because you get too overwhelmed about the thought of what to do and how to put it all together? Ultimately, you put it in the too hard basket. Any of you out there listening, shaking your head, going, hell yeah, you speak in my language, Eng. If you answered yes to any of these, you're going to want to keep listening today is going to be an epic podcast episode where I'm bringing on the amazing Kirsty Fanton to talk about why email newsletters suck and how to change your approach for effective growth. And though this is the main topic of the podcast, we're going to dive deep into great conversation, answering questions like what makes email so valuable? What's wrong with newsletters today? How can you get strategic about your email marketing? Does list size really matter? If not, what metric does? And how can you measure any email success. So much more goodness to come out of this podcast with the amazing Kirsty. Her and I can talk for hours. But before we jump into this awesome episode, I just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my business masterclass, the ultimate four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business. In my 60-minute jam-packed masterclass, you'll learn my signature four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business without sacrificing time with your kids, without the overwhelm, or without wasting more cash. You're also going to learn the four big business mistakes that everyone in business makes and why they're keeping you from growing that sustainable and profitable business you're so, so wanting. Also, I talk about in the master class what is working for businesses now and why most of what you're being taught about growing a business is actually outdated and wrong. You can sign up for my on-demand free masterclass by heading to AngelaHenderson.com.au and underneath the section where it says, here's how I help, you can simply access the masterclass there and you'll be ready to rock and roll. Again, you can access this on-demand masterclass by heading to AngelaHenderson.com.au. Click on the button that says sign up now for the masterclass. Now let's get into today's amazing episode with the awesome Kirsty Phantom. Welcome to the show, Kirsty. Thanks for having me, Ange. Super excited to have you here today. Uh, you know, I was thinking back to when you and I had the first introductions and I was like, oh my goodness, it's been a little bit over 18 months since when I actually reached out to Amy Porterfield's copywriter, Ryan, and I was like, listen, are you writing copy or what's happening with this email newsletter marketing stuff? And he's like, no, sorry, I'm not taking anyone else on board. I was like, well, you're going to have to give me some ideas because I need some people in my life that can do what you do for Amy. And he's like, oh my goodness, there's this lady in Australia named Kirsty. You're going to need to connect with her. And the rest is really history, my friend. Um, and it's been, you know, really awesome. Like you've helped with sales page copy. You've helped with email newsletters and marketing. And not to mention, you're just an overall great human being. So I'm really excited to have you on board to take up uh, today to talk about why email newsletters suck and how to change your approach for effective growth. 
Well, thanks so much, Anne. I'm, I'm stoked to be here and um, I'm so glad that Rai put us in touch 18 months ago, which is crazy that that time's gone so quickly. Um, I know, because I was like, no way that it's like 18 months already, but it really is. You know, we've worked know. on so many different mini projects and bigger projects and yeah, the time just flies. And so, yeah, so it's always awesome to have great people in my life. And I always believe, you know, people come into our lives for whatever those reasons are. And like I said, Rai wasn't able to, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, he introduced us to us. And yeah, so I'm really excited to have you here today. But with any of my guests, that come on, Kirsty. I always like to start off with a fun question. In order for us to get to know you a little bit more, I mean, you're a great mix of treats, really, Kirsty. From the love of Christmas sweaters to bananas to having a run-in <laughs> with an avocado that almost took your finger off, and the fact that you have a very flat head, but super head, super cute head, might I add. I'd love for you to share with us your all-time favorite song and why, because I feel with the mixed bag of treats going on, there's got to be a song in this somewhere. Oh, and first of all, I want to give you top points for being <laughs> such a good stalker. <laughs> in so a good, good way, in a good way. In, in a great way. Okay, so my all-time favourite song, which I feel like might be a little bit disappointing because it's quite, oh. like, it's like early noughties sort of song. It's Train Drops of Jupiter. Um, oh, yes. Yes, and I don't know, whenever I hear it, I just feel like so warm and happy inside. So that's why it gets the, the number one. <laughs> the right, number Drops one. of Jupiter. I haven't heard that song in ages, but yes, you know, wasn't Train a Canadian band? I think they were actually, yes. I think that's right. I mean, way to go, Canada, uh, for winning your heart there, Kirsty. But yes, no, I was giggling when I was doing the research for the podcast and I was like, oh my goodness, her love of avocados, Christmas sweaters. <laughs> I remember when I first met you, your um, old website had that big banana on it. Um, it was like a big yellow banana. And I was like, okay, I like her. She's kind of fun. She's got a little bit of edge to her. So yes. Now for many of the listeners out here listening today, Kirsty, they're not going to know a lot about you. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your business this journey, where you started and what you're up to now. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I started in copywriting by accident, really. Um, so I have come from the world of psychotherapy. And in 2014, my now husband and I took a year off from our lives here in Sydney and lived in France and did all the French things we could possibly do while we were over there. <laughs> yeah. um, worked on a foie gras farm. We worked in a French restaurant. We worked on a few wineries, um, all those sorts of things. It was amazing. Um, came back very poor. Um, I actually think the day that we made the most money over there was when we drove back from Italy and collected a lot of spare change in the in the highway tolls. So <laughs> <laughs> came back quite poor, found another counselling job when I got back, but also a friend had started a business and they were looking for someone to write their copy and they approached me and I said, sure, why not? Um, and things sort of took on a life of their own from there. Um, and these days my business is really thriving, which I'm like somewhat surprised, but also very chuffed about. So I sort of split my time now between writing launch copy for Legends Like You and also uh, running a couple of online group programs for other copywriters and other online business owners. And like you said, it all just kind of happened, right? It all fell in place. But for those that are out there, not all of my listeners are aware of copy. And so I just want us to also talk a little bit about when we talk about copy, for example, it's not just necessarily sales page copy, etc. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I always just like everyone to kind of have the same baseline of where we're going with everything. So we're all on the same page. Yeah, sure. So 
basically the way I think about copy is uh, any words that supports a business goal, sorry, a business's goals. Uh-huh. Um, so, of course, conversion copy, which is the kind of copy I really focus in on, uh, is that stuff that sits more towards a point of sale. Uh-huh. Um, so things like sales pages and emails uh, and that sort of thing, Facebook ads, et cetera. Um, but definitely copy also includes uh, words on websites, uh content so blog posts mm-hmm. uh, social media posts um, so basically any any words that help support a business's goals all right fantastic because I always just go there'll be someone listening going all right you've already lost me ladies what are we talking about right and I'm always <laughs> like I always want to make sure that all the listeners are treated equal and they all have the dude can go into an episode ready to rock and roll yes, so now that we've got Christmas sweaters avocados and you know not to mention I mean Kirsty, check out the Instagram stories, but you probably won't because obviously this isn't going live. But she's also wearing this amazing uh, headpiece today. She's gaming because she's just moved house. So, I mean, it's all really happening here on the episode today. All right. I'm probably your coolest guest ever. I totally right 100%. My kids, well, Finley, who does love, do you know what I mean, to play, what is it, Fortnite or whatever, he would be like, oh my gosh, she's got the proper stuff, mom. He would be stoked. I'll have to show him the photo actually later. Amazing. But, Today's episode is we're going to be talking about why email newsletters suck and how to change the approach for effective growth. Uh, and let's this say there are some newsletters like it's like I'll get a newsletter and I'm it's like cringeworthy. I'm like this sucks, man. This is like actually a detriment to your brand. But all right, you think that it's working, all right? So we'll go from there. But before we start off, though, is do you think email marketing, aka newsletters, is dead? Email marketing is very much alive and well. Um, newsletters, I think, are a bit of a different category. But, mm-hmm. I mean, to give, I guess, you already know this, Ange, probably, but to give your listeners a few bit more context around email marketing, um, it is really the most effective one-to-many connection point in your business, mm-hmm. um, which I know is a very big call. But unlike social media platforms, um, email is actually a platform that you own. So what you send isn't vulnerable to any of those ever-changing algorithms. Um, you can make it really personalized so you can mm-hmm. actually speak with people and make them feel like you're having just a conversation directly with them. Um, and on top of that, it's actually every second person in the world has an active email address. So when you think about that, it sort of puts even Facebook stats to shame just in terms of how many people are actually reachable through your email marketing. And do you want to talk a little bit about, again, I just want to take one step back, email marketing versus newsletters. Are you grouping them together? Are you separating them for the episode? How would you define them? Just so again, we're all on the same page. Yeah, good question. So I think (laughs) when I talk about, newsletters not being a good idea. Um, What I mean are those newsletters that pretty much treat emails like some sort of bulletin board. So Mm -hmm. where you are sharing announcements about internal policies or where you are uh, essentially just checking a box and sending an email every week, Mm -hmm. even though that email doesn't actually help you hit the goal that's happening in your business right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that purpose, I guess I'm sort of talking about them separately. Mm-hmm. Um, but totally, if you have a, a really solid email strategy and part of that strategy is sending out a weekly um, or monthly email newsletter, and I'm using mm-hmm. those little quotation marks when I say that, um, <laughs> yep. then, then that is email marketing. So the missing piece for a lot of newsletters is that that strategy driving the content uh, and the call to action isn't there. Mm-hmm. So I hope that sort of helps helps yeah. at the bit. Totally. And in your opinion, what makes newsletters valuable when done right? Mm-hmm. Good question. So definitely 
starting with the end goal in mind. So um, I actually think good email marketing is something that takes into account the big picture plan for your business. So you know what's coming up, you know, next week, next month, next quarter, uh, and six months down the road. So you can actually plan your content to support those things. Mm -hmm. So for example, even though most of the copy I write, actually all the copy I write these days is launch copy. um, And that has, you know, can have quite a defined period in terms of an open cart period and a defined pre-launch period. I actually think the best launches happen when you're able to get strategic with the content you're sending out via email, you know, three months in advance, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is really where a solid email strategy can help create a really effective uh, email newsletter. And again, I'm using I'm using quotes because people, t- <laughs> people tend to think of newsletters as just the, the regular emails, like the ones that go out once a week or once a fortnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's sort of what I'm talking about there. And I know when I work with my uh, consulting clients, one of the things I talk about is it's not just about understanding the email marketing strategy, but how is this the bigger picture? And so I talk about promotional rhythms, for example, is I'll say, okay, what's your promotional rhythm going to be for the next quarter? And they're kind of like, well, what do you mean, Ange, by promotional rhythm? And I'm like, well, what are you promoting during the next 12 weeks? And how are we then going to be positioning that either through a launch or through email marketing or through Facebook ads or whatever? Like there has to be an end goal, like you said why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. um and again a lot of them when they first start working with me they're like oh yeah no I just kind of like very last minute come up with an idea and think oh my audience might like this and and then I can say I've done the newsletter for the week like I'm good and I'm like <laughs> but okay like how is that newsletter helping your audience how is that newsletter moving your audience one step closer to a conversion with you or a connection with you or a conversation with you And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I didn't really think about that. I just wanted to get the newsletter out. But I was like, in some ways, you'd be better off not even doing a newsletter because you could potentially like, I don't know about you, Kirsty, but all of the newsletters I'm like, that's what exactly what people are doing. And then I'm like, unsubscribe because I'm like, this is actually adding. This isn't making my life any better. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, totally. And I think that that is, you've actually just really put that so succinctly in terms of what the problem is with email newsletters. It's when people just think of them as, a thing that you have or a thing that you do as opposed to a tool that you actually use within your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely, like, if you subscribe to someone's list and things feel quite haphazard and you never really know what the purpose is and the emails that you're getting from them aren't, you know, helping you feel some sort of connection with the business, they aren't perhaps getting you excited for the next offer, they aren't reducing friction around the next offer, um, then I think that those are the kinds of lists that you know, typically you don't engage with uh, as much as you do with a business that has a really solid email strategy. Mm-hmm. And when you, I mean, you've seen a lot of shit newsletters. I've seen a lot of shit newsletters, but I'd love for you. Can you explain what is wrong with newsletters these days collectively and how businesses are just getting it so wrong? Like I know we've talked a little bit about it, lack of strategy, throwing spaghetti at a wall, but is there anything else that when you just look at this, you're just like, oh my goodness, where where have you learned this strategy or why are you doing this? Or, you know, one, I guess one of the things I'm getting at is when I see a newsletter that literally has 50 call to actions or we call them CTAs, right? Like click here to listen to my podcast, click here to join my Facebook group, click here to buy this, click here to go to someone's affiliate program, click here. I'm like, oh my God, like, what do you want me to do? Right? Like, yes. well, I'm so confused by this. I'm so overwhelmed. And then I end up not doing nothing or I unsubscribe. So that's an example where I see newsletters are doing it wrong. But what other examples have you seen where you're like, this sucks, you need, we need to up your game here? 
Yep. So great example. And by the way, that's a that's a really nice example of something called choice overload, which is when we're presented with too many options, our most common response is to actually do nothing. So mm-hmm. a good general rule to follow is one call to action per email. Mm-hmm. Um, so each email has one call to action, has one clear purpose. I think one of the other things that I've noticed in some email newsletters is um, some really poor or some really absent segmentation. Um, so for example, there have been some lists that I've joined because I think it's part of my job to really <laughs> creep around the internet and join people. <laughs> totally. Lists. Yeah, and see what's working and what people are doing and, and what's missing the mark. Um, I think when you join someone's list, um, first of all, if there's no sort of welcome sequence there to meet you, so mm-hmm. you join the list and then you don't even know whether you have joined because nothing comes back to your inbox and then mm-hmm. perhaps three months later something pops up and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. here we are. Um, or the other way, if you join someone's list and you get a welcome sequence and at the same time you also get funneled into some sort of launch sequence, mm-hmm. um, that's also pretty um, pretty lacklustre segmentation. Mm-hmm. Um So, and I think segmentation, again, is one of the reasons that email marketing is so powerful because you can tailor the conversation um, so much more than you can on a social media platform, for example. Mm -hmm. And so for those listeners who are, uh, might be new to business or just starting off and they're like, yes, I've got my email. Yes, I'm sending it out regularly. Yes, I'm actually free being quite strategic. But now you've just thrown in the word segmentation. Kirsty, a big F you, what's going on? I'm now even confused. <laughs> so let's back up. Can you talk about, I mean, because you and I get it, but what is segmentation? Because this is a very helpful part of email marketing, in my opinion. And so for those listeners who aren't doing it, it's like, even if you took anything away today, in my opinion, and you went and looked at your email list and how you could segment, to me, it's like you're winning if that's the one thing you do, in my opinion, from today. But can you define what segmentation means? Yeah, of course. So segmentation in pretty simple terms is just grouping your contacts so that you can communicate with them in a more targeted way. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, you may segment people based on which lead magnet they come onto your list via. Um, So if you are serving more than one type of audience, for example, you may have a different lead magnet for each segment so that Mm -hmm. you can then make sure you're tailoring that conversation to the topics that that person is likely interested in, given Mm -hmm. what they came in on. It can be segmenting people in and out of launches. So, Mm -hmm. for example, if you are doing a webinar-type launch, so where you have some sort of live class or live workshop before you introduce the offer and you're building that webinar list, you're getting people to opt in to say, yes, I want to come to that webinar, um, you know, or I want want the replay. Um, You can also segment them out so that you're only speaking with them about the offer that you're launching at the end of that webinar. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what could happen is if you blast your whole list with a launch sequence, which is typically a lot of emails over a short amount of time, you can get a much higher amount of unsubscribes um, Mm -hmm. compared to if you're able to actually just tailor Uh, that launch to speak to a specific segment. So a segment that's actually asked to be sort of kept in the loop about this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a couple of pretty general examples, um, Mm -hmm. but of course it's, it's a big rabbit hole, um, which I'm happy to dive into more if you like, but I also don't want to. Yeah, no, totally. I just, and I also know like um, what we're about to do with uh, my email list is just send out an email uh, with a bunch of different countries and say like, what country, right? Are you from, for example? Mm -hmm. And then that will segment everyone into different countries. And then that will also give me a better understanding. Okay, great. If I'm going to be doing a live event, instead of broadcasting that to all of the countries, I will then only broadcast it to those lists that 
it's applicable to, to the segment that it's applicable to, right? Yes. Um, so that's an example that I'm looking at doing. Um, because again, there's nothing else. If I've got people on my list who are in New York or in London going, this isn't relevant. You've just wasted my time. Why yes. I didn't have to read this, you know? Um, so that's another example of segmentation that we're about to start looking at. Awesome. So, yes. And so for those people that are listening going, oh, fuck, right? Like I may need to pay attention for the rest of this episode because I may be the person where my newsletter suck. Like I'm going to admit it, right? I'm, you know, people are slowly nodding and raising their hands. Mm-hmm. How can businesses start to get strategic with their newsletters? Mm-hmm. Great question. So I think as we sort of touched on earlier, it all starts with getting a bit of a big picture perspective on your business, mm-hmm. um, on what offers you have coming up, you know, in the next quarter, in the next six months, in the next year, mm-hmm. uh, and then sort of planning backwards. Um, so I think we can probably both agree, Ange, that the, the main function of a business is to make money, right? Yes. To sell things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you're thinking about that, I think the two key tasks that you're regular emails can do, even outside of a launch period or a certain offer period, uh, get people excited about whatever offer is coming their way. So that can be sharing tips, busting myths, um, any sort of uh, information like that, that sort of gets them leaning into the topic and and knowing and liking and trusting you as in the business a little bit more uh, and also reducing friction. So um, there are all these tasks that you can actually do in your regular email so that by the time an offer is presented to your prospect, they are very ready to actually say yes to that and to get inside um, or to buy the thing. Um, so I think that that is a really nice place to start. So starting big, working backwards, and then sort of planning what sort of topics you can cover that end up being a really natural lead in to the point where that person is being offered an opportunity to buy something from you. And for, so I just want to clarify. So what you're actually saying is, wait for it, everyone out there, don't gasp or have heart failure. You don't have to sell in every email. <laughs> Correct. You definitely do not have to sell in every email, not oh, at all. Um, right. So I know it could be aha for some of you guys. Like, again, it's <laughs> because, again, people are told. Now, and listen, people who follow me know I'm very big that, that, in my opinion, you should be selling almost every day, in my opinion, some way right? Like you need to be adding value. And what I mean by selling every day is, is I don't just show up and all I do is sell. I'm still, I might add value in this one, give a tip here, but I'll end up selling. And I've been testing this for the last, since the beginning of the year, so over six months now, whereas I haven't been doing it for the last two weeks of time of recording because I just feel my mastermind getting those women settled. That's my priority at the moment. Um, But I have been selling I choose one thing that I'm selling every single week and that's what I'm utilizing in my promotional rhythm throughout all my platforms. And there has been like, I had my best month in June and there's no doubt that it's a direct correlation because of me showing up, adding value and selling constantly. Right. But for the purpose of newsletters, if you're sending out a newsletter every week and all it is, is buy my shit, buy my shit, buy my shit, buy my shit. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know anyway, like for me, I'm like, screw off, screw off, screw off. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, (laughs) <laughs> Again, leave me a better person. Don't always be t- treating me as a transactional, you know, yes. uh, occurrence. Would you? Are you agree? Oh, one hundred percent. I think that one of the worst things an email can do is make the person at the other end just feel like they're a bag of money mm-hmm. <laughs> or feel like anything's transactional. Because again, one of the things that's so great about email marketing is it's so personal. It feels mm-hmm. so intimate. Um, mm-hmm. So you really want to be building the relationship. And I think what you're saying there, Ange, is that while 
you do not, and I would probably suggest that you do not actually do this, don't sell explicitly in every email. There are implicit ways where you're probably selling yourself or your business or your ideas Mm -hmm. um, just by building that rapport, by building that know, like, and trust, uh, and also by, as you say, delivering value, you know, Mm -hmm. showing what you know, um, talking about what your knowledge can actually do for someone and for their business um, or for their life, whatever it is that you're selling. I know one of the things that you mentioned briefly, but I do want to go back and talk about is the importance of getting them to do one thing, right? So one thing doesn't have to be clicking to go to a sales page. One thing could be that they hit the reply button and start having a conversation with you. And we, I refer to these more as micro commitments. How do you describe those for yourself, Kirsty? Yes, same word. So micro commitments are fantastic. So what you're doing there is essentially... Um, getting someone used to actually taking an action when they receive an email from you. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you said, those actions don't have to be related to an exchange of money at all. It can be, hey, hit reply and let me know or come and check out this post on Instagram or or leave a comment here um, Mm -hmm. or fill out this survey. Um, You know, and again, I don't think these have to be in every single email either. Um, I think if you fall into that, it starts to feel a little bit more manufactured um, and again, sort of erodes that genuine one-to-one feel of connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely having those micro-commitments in there are such a great way to really engage your list. Um, And one of my favourite CTAs in just a standard newsletter in my own business is hit reply and let me know Um, Mm -hmm. because I think that those conversations that start from that are so, well, I actually just genuinely really enjoy having them with people in my inbox, but they're also very valuable in a business sense too. Um, And I have found that the people who reply to my emails are often the same ones who are buying my programs when I do get around to launching. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because again, you're building conversations, you're building connections. And I'm a really big believer that when you have connections, conversations, you have conversions. Yeah, it's like it's, you know, conversations equal conversions. I'm not saying that that's your sole purpose of just doing this for shits and giggles. But it is it's you get to know people. I know some of the biggest things that I've ended up buying for my business as investments is because people had conversations with me. They took time to get to know me or they asked about how my kids were or they remembered something that wasn't just about, oh, your credit card number, 450, right? (laughs) Um, So again, I I talk often about conversations equal connections. And when you have conversations and connections together, you have a conversion. Yes, 100%. So now we often hear in the email, it's all in the list. It's all in the numbers. But I'm not necessarily sold that list size matters. You know, thoughts, Kirsty? <laughs> I'm 100% with you. List size is pretty much irrelevant. I think the two metrics that you really should be focusing on are how targeted your list is. So mm-hmm. by that, I mean, are you actually connected with the people who would be a good fit for the things that you're selling? Mm-hmm. And also how engaged that list is. So mm-hmm. Are you getting good open rates? Are you getting good click-through rates? Are you getting a lot of replies? Mm-hmm. Um, and to help, um, I guess, illustrate this, so <laughs> I went through all my numbers at the end of uh, the financial year that just wrapped in June, and I worked out that I've actually, last financial year, I made just over $119,000 from my own list that, at its maximum, had 414 people on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean... That's a pretty good stat and I think it just really goes to show that, you know, my list is targeted, my list is really engaged. It's also really tiny but Mm -hmm. it's been hugely profitable for me. Um, So, yeah, I think that the conversation around list size really needs to get a bit more nuanced. 
Yeah, and again, going back to you know, bigger doesn't mean better. Uh, there's, right. uh, I don't know if it's a paper or a book where they talk about like your thousand true fans, right? It's better that you have a thousand true fans than a million followers who don't know you, care about you, or engage with you, right? Exactly. Um, and they also talk about like if you were to think about you, uh, unfortunately, were to pass away, would these, you know, true fans show up to your funeral? Maybe, maybe not, depending on where they are in the world. But would they send their condolences? Would they send flowers? Probably. You know what I mean? Because they have built that connection. And again, not a transactional you know uh, transaction but they've actually built a connection with you where they're like uh they would consider you a friend or you know they give you a hug as they're passing on the street right um so again to me it's it's not all about how big that list is no not at all now I'd love for you to give an example because people always say Ange I really love that podcast episode but I would have loved a little bit more of an example can you quickly share an uh, an example of a newsletter done well for a service-based business just like What's something you've seen recently or even something that you've done yourself where you're like, yep, that was awesome? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, oh, it's going to test me to think of a specific one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think who's, I mean, I mean, the person you mentioned right at the start of this, Amy Porterfield, like her email game is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone listening isn't on her list uh, and, and you join it, um, I think that will be a good experience in terms of um, what a good, good newsletter feels like to receive. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I do get really good engagement on my emails as well. Mm. Um, And like, I I know that I get such a high number of replies, um, really high open rates all the time. uh, And I think some of the emails that get the most engagement that I send out that fit more into the newsletter category so that aren't explicitly selling something Uh um, are just ones that are really anchored in the current moment. So mm-hmm. obviously with this year, you know, with COVID and everything else that's been happening, um, I think it has actually been incredibly valuable to actually call out the elephant in the room and lean into anything that anchors that email in the here and now because, mm-hmm. again, that really helps that feeling of connection, that feeling that I'm a genuine human at the other end of it. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I know that was one of the newsletters I sent out over the last couple of weeks at time of recording was Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is just, you know, a triangular image. And then they've got, you know, you know, all the different types of needs we have as human beings, basically. Mm-hmm. And my newsletter that it went out was just in regards to a lot of clients that I've been working with, especially who are, are in Australia right now and gone back to lockdown level four in the, uh, Melbourne and the state of Victoria collectively, are like, Angela, lost my motivation. Like, it's literally gone. I don't know what's going on. Like, and they're like, hold on a minute. Let's have a look at this. You you haven't lost your motivation. It's still there. You haven't lost your, crea- or sorry, you haven't lost your creativity. You haven't lost your spark. The motivation has decreased. Yes, because you're having to worry about the psychological safety in your primary needs right now. That's what's priority. So just by Maslow's hierarchy, you know, you you can't be creative and motivated in all this when you're just wondering, like, is my daughter going to be okay with homeschooling again? What's going to happen that I've got to get orders out, you know? So that was one of my most responsive as in hit reply, get back to me because people are like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This totally makes sense. I've been beating myself up because of this. There was no buy anything. There was no nothing else. I said hit reply if you need to have a chat or something like that. And people did, but there was no selling. There was no nothing because I genuinely care about these people that are experiencing isolation, loneliness, etc. in the world of business right now because they're they can't leave their home for more than an hour a day. Yes. So that's an example that I use. And I also know with my e-com business with Finley and me, 
is e-com businesses get into the state of every week they're selling the new product releases, they're selling new this, they're selling that. Now, I'm not saying that as, again, as an e-com, you don't need to sell. But what I found is when I surveyed my audience with Finley and me, we found that moms not only wanted to buy products for their babies, but they also were suffering loneliness. They were going through depression and anxiety. The list went on and on. And so what happened was, is I still had a spot in my newsletter where I would put like product of the week or new release or whatever, but that came after I did an introduction into like, hey, the top 10 things that you know, you might want to look for for self-care or the top 10 signs, you know, you might need to check check with your GP about mental health. Again, I was, I'm literally a trained mental health clinician. So I was able to speak on those topics. Um, And the amount of response and engagement I had, people were like floored. Thank you so much. You hit the, you know, you've hit the brief. And then when it went time for them to buy the educational toys for their kids or the wooden, whatever collections we had, they would because I wasn't just selling to them, right? So I do encourage my e-com businesses to still sell their product, but if they can weave in the story and understand what their buyers are going through and create content around that, I saw, you know, not tuning my horn, but I saw a lot of great success and convergence with that off that. Yes, that's amazing. And also, I think this all comes back to something you always talk about, Ange, that human-to-human marketing. Yes. Um, You know, the fact that at the end of the day, even if you're a business and even if you're a business of many people, you're still a human and you're trying to connect with other humans. Um, So the more that you can lean into that and, you know, be someone who gives a shit, basically, I think it's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, it's actually, I don't want to make it sound cold, but it is also good business strategy. Mm -hmm. 100% and my thing is is for all those that are out there like even if you just went back and looked at your email list and was like actually I don't have segmentation I could start there Mm -hmm. to go back and also look at your list and just like when was the last time I truly had a conversation with my audience and most of you guys in my opinion would probably be like damn that probably isn't happening right so um, you know, and just send a conversational email, test it. It's going to feel weird. I know when I first started doing this years ago, a Finley and me, and I was like, hold on, I'm going to be it's like, cause it's counterintuitive. You're being told by gurus, Facebook ads, and everyone else that you must sell, 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 do this, do that bigger email list, whatever. So when I first started having conversations with my email list, I was like, oh, this feels weird. It feels shady because I hadn't flexed that muscle yet. I hadn't learned to know and lean into it. So it might feel weird for you, but I promise you, you're going to see higher engagement rates and overall higher conversion rates in the end because you're again treating people like people. Yes. And I also think, and I don't know if you agree with me on this end, but I think it makes it more fun to do. Like I actually love writing to my list because I'm like, oh yeah, I get to write to my friends, which makes me sound incredibly nerdy. (laughs) No, totally. But it sort of, it it frees me up to do things, I think, rather than having to approach every email as like, oh, okay, this is a transaction and I've got to sell something or I've got to achieve this certain task. It's like, yep, I'm going to, I'm going to do one of those things, but I'm also just going to show up as myself really authentically. And I'm just going to focus on building those connections. And I know we talk about consistency. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts about consistency because I personally know that my audience has basically been trained that an email goes out every Thursday. And I've had people where they're like, where's the email? it's, it's Friday. I haven't got one. Is everything okay? Are the kids okay? Like what's going on? Like they literally will say that. Um, and so consistency for me collectively across the board is one of the things that I I do. And I, and I will directly say has been a big part of my business being where it is. Right. Um, how much do you think consistency has, uh, as a positive or negative impact when done correctly on, um, yeah, like how important is it? 
Consistency is hugely important across all marketing channels, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, when we're talking about email, we can talk about it in terms of, you know, the regularity of the emails that you send. Mm-hmm. But there's also consistency in terms of tone of voice. So mm-hmm. do all these emails feel like they're coming from the same person or brand? Mm-hmm. Consistency in the things that you're showing up and sharing or talking about, I think, is also really important. Mm-hmm. Um and this probably links back in nicely to um, what we're talking about right back at the start in terms of just sort of haphazardly showing up to your email marketing and be like, oh, I'll just write about this this week and next week, who knows, it'll be whatever comes to my mind. So that yeah. consistency can also just come through really good forward strategic planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely, you know, if you are someone who is able to get in a regular habit in terms of when you actually email your list, um, that can be hugely beneficial. Um but I will also say that I think it's beneficial that time regularity, but not 100% necessary as long as you are consistent in the other things I've just spoken about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, again, a lot of times some of the clients when they first come to me, it's like I'll go through their social media, I'll talk to them about their email, and it's like they like went went really hard and then they dropped, right? But they dropped mm-hmm. everything. Instagram stopped, email marketing stopped, Facebook ads have stopped and because they've got to the level of burnout, right? That yes. they're just like, it's too much. And that will be a whole nother hour of you and I talking, but the importance yes. of also, I guess this is why, you know, when I reached out to you to help me, not only with my sales page, but also with my email marketing is that there comes a point where you might not actually like writing the emails. You might actually go, this freaking sucks, right? Like, cause it, it, it might not be that you don't get excited about connecting with your audience, but you might just be like, I literally, this is not my zone of genius. It's going to take me four hours to write something, right? To get it on paper. Then I'm probably just going to be ticking a box. Again, you can outsource your email content also, all right? You can still have a voice. You can still be heard, right? Um, And so I just want to throw it out there because most of my emails do come from me, but there's been times when I have hired you to help get me, just get words extracted out of my brain and you help, do you know what I mean, collate those for me and I'll go in and, do you know what I mean, spruce it up with my Nutella jokes or whatever. But it is important <laughs> to know that there's help out there. So for those of you that might be going, I can't get started, I don't know where to start, I can't do this, whatever, you know, whether or not you were to speak with Kirsty about it or whether or not you were to speak with another person about it, there's people out there that do this, right? 100%. Um, and it's important to acknowledge that you can outsource, not just this, and I will talk about outsourcing too for a long time, but if you can minimize the burnout, you're more likely going to be consistent and you're going to produce quality content and strategy across the board and therefore inevitably you're going to become profitable. So it's, it's important things I think to consider. Absolutely. Because I think as well, one of the real benefits of consistency is that momentum. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're constantly showing up, if you're constantly visible, if you are a known quantity, as in, you know, you have a recognizable niche, people know what you talk about, what you do, what you offer, uh, then that momentum can be built up. Uh, And if you do have to stop because you do get burnt out because you go too hard too quickly, uh, then that momentum can fizzle out devastatingly fast and it's Mm -hmm. always much harder to get it going again than it is to continue it once the ball's already rolling. Gosh, 100%. I know that that's relatable. Also, when I started my podcast, the average podcast that disintegrates is episode seven. And uh, I was like, oh no, I'm not going to be that statistic. So I actually paid upfront six months in advance for my podcast team. And I was like, no matter what, I will have 26 episodes under my belt that I'll be able to use for repurposing content or whatever. Um, And I just knew, oops, I had to 
I had to pay that up front because I knew that that's what was going to keep me consistent. So sometimes you got to think outside the box, you know, and it's our choice at the end of the day. We all have choices to stay consistent or not, but just understand that there's always pros and negatives with each of those decisions, right? 100%. So, yeah. And again, as a business owner, it's up to us people to drive the bus. No one's coming to save us. All right? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> now, what truth. a great, great conversation today. As I said, you and I, uh, we do normally talk for forever, but great insight as to, you know, newsletters and what business owners need to be thinking about and what they could do differently just to, yeah, start engaging more with their audience, having those conversations, treating them like humans, and ultimately then being able to sell and have conversions. So for those listeners wanting to connect with you, Kirsty, where can they find you? So I am on Instagram at Kirsty.Fanton, F-A-N-T-O-N, and I'm also online at KirstyFanton.com. Fantastic. And I do have one final question. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Oh, good question, And um, <laughs> I think I wish I knew just how much I got to drive the bus, like you said before. I think when I first started, I was definitely operating more as a freelancer so waiting for opportunities to come for me and and said just saying yes to things whereas now I very much am deliberate about the kind of work I do and I create opportunities for myself I think a lot more regularly than I wait for them to come to me. 100% love it and before we sign off please remember that my team and I will be putting together the show notes uh, for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au and as I mentioned earlier if you enjoyed this episode I'd love for you to share it especially on Instagram stories and tagging me at AngelaHendersonConsulting and uh, tagging Kirsty at Kirsty.Fanton or share it wherever we really don't care you know we just love a good share I'd also love if you do take a moment uh, to subscribe to the podcast that you can stay up to date with any future episodes and for the rest of you I hope you have a fabulous day no matter where you are in the world and I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Kirsty. Thanks so much, Ange. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au